Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world. That ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Geek Buddies. <gasps> hey! Yeah. I think you can tell we're all feeling it for a Friday and we're excited to jump into our main show here this week. For those of you who may have missed it, a few days ago we did a uh, trailer reaction for the new Airbender uh, 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 Avatar, the last Airbender trailer that dropped there on Netflix So as part of our Geek Bite series that we do every once in a while here. So go ahead and watch that a little bit later or after you watch our show. But we are here to talk about a, quite a lot of topics. We're talking about some trailers that came out this week other than Avatar, the last Airbender. We're going to get into some new stories going on about some superhero casting. We're going to get our thoughts on the Oscars. Certainly some of you have already heard my thoughts, but I want to hear what these two gentlemen have to say. And our main topic today is going to be jumping into all the Spider-Man 4 news and Madam Web stuff that's popping off as we're only just a few days away from Madam Web, and who knows when Spider-Man 4 is coming. But first, let's introduce ourselves. I am the outlaw John Roca, writer, producer, and host here on The Geek Buddies. I am Michael Vogel, writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. And this is Shannon McClung. I'm a television actor and an animation writer, where you can see some of our current work every weekend on YouTube with Strawberry Shortcake, Barry in the Big City, Season 3. Now, you'd have been proud of Michael, who was on the Jedi Way this week. He eventually figured out how to promote Strawberry Shortcake on that show. Well, so he's, he's getting practice, Shannon. You'd have been proud of him for sure. After <laughs> a reminder. After a reminder. Yes. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we're going to get into the way the show works. For those of you who may be new and trying this out for the first time, first of all, thank you. Uh, and second of all, the way the show works is each of us uh, brings up a geek news item. We talk about it amongst ourselves. We take breaks in between the news items, and then we get to our main topic, uh, which is our discussion on Spider-Man 4 and Madam Web. But I kick off uh, this series of conversations here. We've got ourselves quite an interesting set of uh, casting that is going on here, some superhero casting update news for sure, from what we're reading from a number of reports here, it seems like Millie Alcock and Meg Donnelly are the last two choices for Supergirl. This is coming from numerous sources. They're apparently screen testing in Atlanta. A lot of people speculating that maybe David Sweat is there. Is it Nicholas Holt who's there? And this is all being done under the auspices of James Gunn, 
Uh, and I imagine Peter Safran has some input as well because they have not announced a director for Supergirl. So this is being done without the director's input or approval unless James Gunn is possibly bringing in a director or keeping a director that he wants to announce a little bit later in the loop with all of this. So it's fascinating. And we also got some Century stuff, which I'll bring up in a second. But first, I want to hear what these two gentlemen uh, have to say about the fact that we've narrowed it down to Millie Alcock uh, and Meg Donnelly. What are y'all's thoughts here? Uh, Michael, I go to you first. Uh, money's on Millie. Okay. My money's on Millie. But also, I think that on the director front of things, I think it's because she's going to be in Superman Legacy. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that Supergirl, what they're doing here. Yeah. 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 Supergirl. So I don't think, I don't think it's like, well, let's cast this girl in this movie that I'm not directing because mm. I'm James, because I'm James Gunn and it's my universe. Right. But I think he's his, the way around, he's the way he's getting around it is like, well, Supergirl is going to be in this movie along with Metamorpho and Hawkgirl and everybody else. Right. So I'm going to cast her and then she'll spin off into whoever's going to direct the Supergirl movie. But my money is on Millie at this point. It just mm. seems like there's a lot of, she, you know, uh, it seems like the right level of buzz, the right level of um, geek fame and stardom. Like it just mm-hmm. feels like it's the right fit. And also just given the work that she's done, it seems like it's the, a right fit for the Tom King story that the movie is going to be adapted from. Oh, okay. Uh, Shannon, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, Superman, Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, a bit of a harder edge here. Millie Alcock, Meg Donnelly. It looks like Amelia Jones the what jeff said yesterday and how mike i don't know if it's true what he's speculating is from the way he's reading how it was laid out in the article that she refused to test like maybe she felt like look there's enough of my work i don't need to be testing for this whereas millie and meg are a little bit newer actresses so maybe she pulled herself out of the situation what do you think about these final two choices do you wish amelia had been in there and there was rumors that kaylee spaney also from priscilla had auditioned for this your thoughts I mean, it's interesting, the whole testing, the the, the testing argument, because, mm. you know, Rachel Brosnahan tested for Lois Lane. I mean, right. 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 And, true. True. and arguably a, a, a pretty, you know, pretty big star. I mean, and, and the star is only going to get larger after what I imagine is going to be a killer performance by her. Yeah. Um, between those two, I'm really hoping it's Meg Donnelly. I mean, again, mm-hmm. knowing that wow. she is the voice of the animated Supergirl. I, and obviously she has she has a lot she has an, a live action on camera career but right, the right. the win for voice actors for the, for her to get that role i think would be awesome um when you talk about that tom king run you talk about that harder edge yeah aesthetically you look at millie alcock i mean it's like yeah i could see i i could see you in a bar fight like that that <laughs> um but yeah, my, my heart just goes out to the dark horse right now. I mean, I really, I would really love it if Meg Donnelly got it. And when you look at Meg Donnelly and you look at David Cornsweet, it's not like they're they're carbon copies of each other. But I'm like, I could see you two being related. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Either way, these are both two solid choices. Okay. All right. Well, let's move over to, well, first of all, I think I side more with Michael. I think it is the Millie Alcock approach because we've seen her endure some shit in House of uh, House of the Dragon. So I wouldn't be surprised if they went that route. But who knows, Shannon? I mean, because she uh, Meg has more of the kind of, quote unquote, all-American look that they might want to have with yeah. the Superman, Supergirl approach. So they may go that route. And maybe they don't want her to be necessarily hard-edged by the trauma. Maybe they want her to give out a little bit more of the... Um, approachable uh, uh, experience from the trauma. So I don't know. It's going to be an interesting decision for sure to see uh, what James Gunn uh, essentially lands on. And Mike, you make an excellent point. 
he is directing Superman Legacy, and it seems like she's going to be in it, so why not have him uh, be a part of it? Of course, he runs the whole DC Universe now as well. The second part of this, let's get into this. Lewis Pullman is apparently the front runner now to take the uh, job of Sentry. Uh, he has been, the rumor was uh, confirmed by THR after Daniel Rickman and RDCU leaks uh, uh, um, uh, posted this on social media. Of course, people may know him as Bob from Top Gun Maverick, but he's also been at Bad Times at the El Royale, The Strangers Pray at Night, and Lessons in Chemistry. And he's apparently going to be the lead in the upcoming remake of Salem's Lot. So it's a nice uh, a nice resume that he's building up for himself. So, Shannon, i go to you first since Michael took uh, Supergirl first. What are your thoughts on uh, this Lewis Pullman being in contention for Century? Um, not exactly Stephen Yoon uh, name here. So what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, I think when you look at Lewis Pullman, like, especially like when you look at his role in mm. Top Gun Maverick, it's like, oh yeah, that's Bob. That's one Bob to another Bob. I mean, he he looks like <laughs> Bob Reynolds. <laughs> um, and in terms of when he turns into Sentry, I mean, uh, you know, Marvel has a history of getting getting uh, actors jacked. Yeah, so, yeah, true. Yeah, I mean, to to lose Stephen Yoon, obviously, like that sucks because I think. Yeah. Again, such a such an incredible such an incredible performer. He would have brought something really, really unique to it. But I think when if you are looking at comic book accuracy, just in yeah. turn of the uh, hang doggedness of Bob Reynolds, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, like I, I think Lewis Pullman is kind of right on the nose. Yeah, I liked him in Top Gun Maverick, so I I, I like the vibe of him. Michael, what do you think about uh, uh, Lewis being the uh, choice here? Yeah, I mean, I'll say at the I'll say it the opposite way that Shannon did while agreeing mm. with Shannon, which is uh, if you're going to cast Sentry, Steven Yoon is the more interesting choice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and this is the more expected comic book accurate. This is exactly what you expect to get choice. But mm. with that being said, it's it's great casting. I mean, yeah. he makes sense. He fits the role. You know, I still have a lot of questions about Sentry being the right move in an already confusing kind of are we all back on board with you or not universe. Mm -hmm. So in general, anything about Sentry, any of the news about Sentry, I'm kind of like, oh, okay, all right, <laughs> well, we'll see, we'll see. It just it uh the, the casting great, the entire concept still gives me pause. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I'll swing back to you, Michael, on this one. Ayo Edebiri, it is being rumored that she is a part of the project as well, and she'll be playing the assistant to Van Valentina Allegro de Fontaine. Do you like this for her? She's just a new Emmy winner here for The Bear, an up-and-coming actress who a lot of people have their eyes on now and really enjoying her work. Uh, what was it, Bottoms, that was the one that she was in most recently, but, of course, been in a number of projects leading up to this. Do you like this idea of Ayo playing... Valentina's assistant, or have we reached a level where Ao may be not necessarily play, need to be playing an assistant as she's becoming more of a force here in the world of Hollywood? What are your thoughts on this? I think she's amazing, and I think you should put her in everything. <laughs> like, on, like, I mean, I think she's absolutely. I think she's great on the Bear. I think she is great in Bottoms. I think she's great in comedy sketch. Her stand up is amazing. Like, she's uh, yeah. intensely funny. Um, and she's a great, great actress. Like just yeah. everything about her as a human being, I am a fan of. Um, I think she could play anything. I think I wouldn't look at this as, oh, they're shoving her into a small role. Okay. I think potentially this is the, look, 
we all agree that Julia Louise Dreyfus has not been given the best material thus yeah. far in the MCU, and that it's been a little bit we're not quite sure what to do with this character. Yes. I think this character has a lot of potential to be sort of the inverse of a Nick Fury who is a little bit more not on the hero's side, a little bit more duplicitous, but really fun. And if she is that, then letting Iota Beery be her Maria Hill could be a huge win for the MCU. Like the okay. potential of these two very funny, very talented actresses yeah. just getting to bounce off of each other, if it's done right, that could be amazing. Now, okay. if it's not done right, then okay, it's gonna be what it's gonna be. But the potential of these two being on screen together, I think there's a lot that they could do with it that could be great. Okay. Shannon, what are your thoughts on Ida Beery being a part of this and being, uh, the character is called Erin and she's apparently exceptional at her job uh, and uh, is a worthy uh, or a valuable assistant for uh, Valentina. I mean, I agree with Vogel. I mean, she she is a tremendous, tremendous performer. I mean, I was not aware of her work prior mm. to season one of The Bear. Like, right. I didn't know who this actress was. Um, and within just a couple of moments, it's like, oh, she's got the goods. Like, yeah. she's really, you know, she she's she's got a fastball. And I, I do agree with Vogel. Making her an assistant doesn't mean that the character is going to be sidelined in any way. I think I think there's potential. Like, I mean, Vogel used Maria Hill. I'm like, oh, so she's she's going to be Coulson. Like she, yeah. she low oh, key yeah. could be the, could be the heart of right. the movie. And I think in a film like this, that you have such a, not a crowded ensemble, but you've got a full ensemble. Yeah. I don't think um, where she is in her career, she takes a role like this. If there wasn't something more to it. Right. And I think that's where you're right. And which is why I feel Sentry maybe is maybe I think this is, you know, I'm going to say this is what I believe. Steven, you and I think walked away from the project as soon as they kind of rewrote the movie and Sentry wasn't as big of a deal. That's what I think it is. He said it was personal stuff, maybe personal stuff, but then he accepted the lead in a Lee Isaac Chung movie. And the actors they've gone after have nowhere near the name recognition that Steven Yoon has. So that tells me that they've kind of minimized that role. They may have minimized the role to increase Aaron's role, which is why you go and get someone like Ayo Itabiri to be a part of your project because you don't want her in for like five minutes. You want her in to be an essential part of the film. So maybe they felt they had to sacrifice one kind of outer role to elevate another outer role here uh, to make it more of an essential part of the movie. So uh, that's that's how I read this. Man, I could be way off. It's just how I read this. Um, any thoughts on that? Or are you guys good? I just love those Roca tea leaves. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes they're right. Sometimes they're wrong. So uh, anyway, um, all right. So we'll keep a tab on this and hopefully they'll settle on a Supergirl soon. And from what I understand, and I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm breaking any news by saying this, but a couple of my sources have told me everything's been cast in Superman Legacy officially, except for Supergirl. And they're going to start rolling out the announcements on casting very soon. So we'll see when that happens for sure um all right well let's take a quick break we'll jump into some more stuff on the world of geekdom uh and the world from the oscars uh, right after this hello geek buddies fans before we jump into today's episode let's give a warm thank you to our sponsor marquee tv their support is why we're able to bring this podcast to you marquee tv isn't just any streaming service they're your gateway to an incredible world of arts and culture that's right johnny i've explored marquee tv and i've been amazed by their vast library of performances exclusive interviews and behind the scenes content it is a treasure trove for any arts and culture lover right now i'm in the middle of watching the royal shakespeare company's production 
production of The Tempest. And I've also got my eye on that Shakespeare masterclass taught by Dame Judi Dench. Yeah, Shannon, and speaking of the RSC, I watched Christopher Eccleston's performance of Macbeth last night, and I'm going to jump into Kit Harington's performance of Henry V from the Donmar Warehouse. Imagine having the world's most breathtaking ballets, dramatic theater productions, and magical operas at your fingertip. That's the experience Marquee TV offers, making the arts accessible wherever you are. And we've got a special treat for our listeners. Marquee TV offers three months of access for just 99 cents. That's right, three months for only 99 cents with the code BUDDIES. B-U-D-D-I-E-S. Simply visit Marquee.tv and use the promo code BUDDIES to dive into the world of arts like never before. Bring the arts home with Marquee TV. Get three months for just 99 cents. Visit Marquee.tv to start your journey into the world of arts now. Use code BUDDIES. Explore the extensive library of performances on Marquee TV today and keep up with the latest in art streaming by following at Marquee TV on social media. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Do, 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 Sometimes I think you get off on it. Michael, yes, please, take it away. Well, it's a wonderful night for Oscar, 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 <laughs> who will win? <laughs> Oscar nominations have come out. Everyone's been talking about it all week. There's been some excitement. There's been some anger. There's been some snubs. There's been a lot of debate. Hillary Clinton has weighed in. Everybody has an opinion on the Oscars. Uh, John, I know that you've been talking about it all week already. Yes. No one um, needs to hear but, from me. You take, you guys take it. Uh, yeah. I, I like hearing from you. Um, <laughs> you know, I think that couple couple highlights just right off the bat. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, Oppenheimer, Poor Things, Barbie, a lot of movies that were expected to have a lot of nominations got a lot of nominations. Greta Gerwig and Margot Robbie did not get nominations. I don't know if you've heard. Uh, <laughs> and that has been a big bone of contention. Ryan Gosling, who was nominated for Best Supporting Actor, has weighed in on it. Um, Saltburn was saltburned. Uh, no yeah. nominations for them. And uh, all in all, you know, I think it's a interesting year. A lot of times, this is my opinion, but a lot mm -hmm. of times when you get to Oscar season and you get to the nominations, you go, eh, okay. Either it's like what you expected or it's a lot of things you didn't really care about. Look, there's been some snubs. There's some things that surprised me, but overall, it's an interesting year. There's yeah. a lot of really interesting performances. There's a lot of categories where I think I know who's going to win, but it could go either way. So... I guess since John's already weighed in, although I yeah. do want to hear more from John, Shannon, what are your thoughts on this year's nominations? I mean, I, I think when you look, I mean, we'll just jump right to 
<laughs> Margot Robbie <laughs> and Greta Gerwig. Um, in terms of Margot Robbie not getting a a, uh, a nomination for Best Actress, it's like, yeah, she she was great in that movie. Yeah. Um, and is that it's kind of like who do you take out from that bat, Best Actress slot? Like, honestly, I was surprised that I was surprised she didn't get nominated. I was surprised that Annette Bening got it. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it's like looking at the Best Actress uh, nominees, like who do you take out? Yeah. Who, who do you take yeah. out for Margot Robbie? Um, because like uh, I did not watch and I had my, my wife did. I was kind of in and out. But um, so, I mean, I can't really weigh in on that one. But like Carrie Mulligan, Carrie Mulligan, that was an incredible performance I in agree. Maestro for a yeah. movie that I did not like. Mm. I thought that was an incredible performance. Lily Gladstone, um, you can argue she was kind of even shortchanged in the movie. I mean, that yeah. movie, yeah. that movie should have been her movie. I mean, that really should have been from her point of view. And they chose to make it more uh, DiCaprio's and De Niro's. But that being said, Lily Gladstone was fantastic. Um, Emma Stone in Poor Things, again, another movie I didn't make it to the end of. um, But looking at what Emma Stone did, I'm like, this is a terrific performance. Are we we going to get into uh, this right now? Let's let's, let's, let's come back to the story. You want to loop back to that? I just want to be clear. Mainly because Poor <laughs> Things is maybe one of my favorite movies of the year. Oh, boy. That I got several text messages yesterday <laughs> from somebody who walked out of Poor Things. <laughs> we'll 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 loop, we'll loop back to that. But that's <laughs> that's kind of my thing. That's kind of my thing with Margot Robbie. It's like, look, yeah, that sucks that she didn't get nominated. Was she absolutely robbed? No. This happens every year where people that you want to get nominated don't get nominated. Now, I think you can make the argument for Greta Gerwig. Um, just mm. looking at what she did. Looking at what what the film was based on, it is based off of a doll um, that, you know, that was created, you know, more than more than 60 years ago. Um, And she created a phenomenon. I mean, and she created an incredible story um, and and a really, really enjoyable movie. Who could who could have guessed that the, you know, the biggest box office winner of the year was going to be Barbie. Um, But that being said, was her snub any greater than Alexander Payne's for the holdovers, which Mm -hmm. I mean, again, the holdovers was my favorite movie of the year. And I'm kind of like, no, it wasn't. I mean, I, Alexander Payne absolutely should have been nominated for best director and he wasn't. Um, but I think you look at the best director nominees. I mean, uh, Justine Triet for Anatomy of a Fall, like that. That movie was, I imagine, was challenging for American audiences yeah, because yeah. it's not the type of thing that we're used to seeing. This really, really long legal epic, but it was an incredible movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Martin Scorsese, Killers of the Flower Moon. I think that's the one you could you can make the argument that you know he kind of got that legacy nomination, mm. um, even though like that was a really well made movie. Yeah. Um, if the story was maybe not told, in my opinion, from the correct point of view, uh, uh, Christopher Nolan, Oppenheimer, like he's probably going to win. <laughs> um, yeah. oh, yeah. uh, poor things. I am not a fan of Yorgos Lanthimos and, uh, and, and I haven't seen the zone of interest. So again, I can't, I yeah. can't weigh in on that one, but yeah, I mean, I think like it sucks that they didn't get nominated, and I get that it is a funny meme. The 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 Ryan Gosling being nominated for Ken, I I, I think what that does sort of negate or, or or conveniently leaves out is the fact that America Ferrera was nominated yes. for Best Supporting yeah. Actress. Yeah. The fact that they did how many nominations they did get. Right. So this crime that's been committed, I think to me is way overblown. But at the but at the same time, people are entitled to their opinions. True. Yeah, uh, one third of the nominees across all categories this year were women, 
which is higher than the last three years. So yeah. that's why I think it's a bit of a, I get the people who are, yeah, I don't want to, I don't, I'm not going to get too deep in it because if you want to watch my craziness, you can watch me react to it. There's a whole video of me for an hour talking about the re reaction, uh, the nominations and react. And then Jeff and I talked about it yesterday, but I will say this to any of the geek buddies audience who didn't see any of those for me, I, I get why people are upset and I totally respect it. Lord knows I've been upset in years past about something that I felt like the Academy was doing wrong. I don't, I think you can actually have claim. You can make a argument that's strong for about for sexism in the director side of things much more than you can for the Barbie situation with Greta, with uh, with Margot Robbie. I think those five women were incredible. Performances were phenomenal, and they were constantly getting talked about all through the years. She just was the odd person out, and this is where it comes to me why I think we need to increase the number of nominees. In my opinion, we've increased Best Picture to ten. We're now factoring in foreign movies more and more every year so if we're going to start expanding becoming and, and you know the the uh, film industry has become a global uh, film industry now over the last few years as more and more studios are casting people from foreign countries to try to play in those markets so we get that so to me at the end of the day you've got to increase them a little bit because as shannon pointed out if you're going to have legacy nominations which is what the scorsese nomination feels like then you're leaving out someone who's an up-and-comer who deserves to get a nomination attached to her name or their name uh, for their work. And I thought Greta Gerwig very much deserved to be nominated. I mean, pulling that film off was not easy. I don't agree with Mary McNamara in LA Times who said it was the most difficult thing anyone's done all year. No one can prove that. So that's a ridiculous statement to make. But I do agree that they had a huge boulder to push up the hill. And, and Greta did a wonderful job of it. But beyond the Spider-Verse being nominated, I'm happy for winning uh, the boy and the Heron being nominated. I'm happy for that overall the nominations to me feel really good and that the academy is taking a step in the right direction recognizing more and more diverse nominees who are earning these nominations and i kind of love that so yeah yeah that's my two cents yeah look i mean i i kind of agree i think we're all on the same page that margot robbie's performance as barbie was great mm -hmm. but when you look at the category when you look at the best actress category it's like okay i get it and the greta gerwig one is the one that i'm kind of like well guys come on yeah. i do i do think just it's shannon said it best i mean she directed a movie that should have bombed right and even if by it didn't rights. bomb yeah. by all rights it should have bombed yeah. and beyond that even if it didn't bomb, it should have made money because people wanted to go see it. But you're like, okay, it was fine. It was based on a toy. And that is not the reaction. The anger that people have about it, about these nominations, is proof that what she did went beyond just making a movie work that shouldn't have worked. But she did, as Shannon said, create a phenomenon. And I think that that's part of being a good director. I think that I think that you have to take that into account. So I, I, I feel like there's a couple people that I would have switched her out with uh, as well. But other than that, like I said off the top of this, I think it's a really strong year. And there's some, been some great performances. I have not seen – I'm seeing Zone of Interest on Sunday. Oof. I haven't seen Nyad, and I haven't Oof. seen Killer of the Flower Moon because I haven't found 15 hours to sit down and just watch it. <laughs> um, but I'm going to. Was, I think I think those are the last ones. But I just watched Rustin the other night. Yeah. Um, and Coleman Domingo was absolutely fantastic. Uh, I was already on board with if Marvel is going to bring Kang back, he's the guy. And after watching Rustin, I was like, absolutely, this is the guy. So I was really happy. I'm, you know, you brought up the animated category. I'm into, I'm very kind of bummed that Ninja Turtles did not get yeah. the recognition that I think it deserves. And I think it didn't get it because it's Ninja Turtles. But I do think that uh, Mutant Mayhem is the, 
not even best animated, but it is the best adaptation of Ninja Turtles, period. 100%. End of statement that we've gotten. But I was very, very happy that Nimona got recognized mm-hmm. on Netflix. And if you haven't checked it out, I think you should go check that out. So like I said, I think it's a really good year. This is the first time in a while where I'm actually genuinely kind of excited mm-hmm. to watch uh, mm-hmm. to watch the Oscars. And so, you know, I think we there's a couple categories that just given where the nominations have gone, you, you're pretty sure where they're gonna go. Like, I'm pretty sure Nolan is uh, walking home with his Oppen Oscar. Um, but uh, even when you kind of know, it's going to be a good one. So I am excited, and I'm excited for us to continue to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, certainly. As we get closer, for sure, we'll have some. Maybe we'll do a prediction show, which would be fun as a Geek Bites thing. Uh, we will see. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll jump into some trailers here uh, right after this. There you go. Uh, all right, Mr. Mc- uh, sorry, yeah, Mr. McClung, yes, please take it away, my friend. So what we did this morning, dear audience, was uh, what Johnny calls calling an audible. We had yeah. three trailers lined up, and then two trailers came out that I'm like, I think we got to talk about these instead. <laughs> and the first one that happened in this section of trailers, trailers, trailers is from Dev Patel and producer Jordan Peele, and it is called Monkey Man. So this is the Dev Patel action treatment i mean like i i can't the this trailer just blew me away i mean the 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 synopsis is a recently released ex-felon living in india struggles to adjust to a world of corporate greed and eroding spiritual values um if that is not a soft sell on a movie (laughs) i I don't know what it is because this just looks like dev patel who is already an incredible performer but this is a story by him um directed i think it was directed by him as well um this looks like just a balls to the wall killer action movie that has a message underneath um but i'll throw it over to my two compatriots here johnny why don't you take it away what did you think of our first look at monkey man you know i did a trailer reaction for it earlier today and so i was like i i just had that on tap and then when Shannon threw the audible, I'm like, oh, my God. All right. Uh, I guess we're going to include it in the show. I can't wait to talk about it with these guys. This was fucking badass. This is absolutely a John Roca movie. Revenge inspired by the mom against a corporate, a, cor- a corrupt uh, guy who is rich and hates uh, poor people. Sign me up. And then you've got it through the Indian point of view. I love this. And I love Dev Patel. Never even thought of him for an action movie. Seeing what he can do here was just incredible. And this may be a little bit of a low-key application for the James Bond role down the road, which I kind of am much more on board with now after seeing this trailer. But this, for a directorial debut, this looks incredible. And this is a great way to kind of take advantage of what's happening now, which is more Indian cinema becoming a part of the American conversation for films domestically that we're here talking about. Bollywood films, Indian films, Triple R was a big deal. Those have been coming. I've seen my friends' YouTube channels who, who've been talking about Indian films for the last few years really blow up here recently. So it's been great to see. And I love that Dev is going back to his culture to tell what is a one person against a corrupt system thing that is universal across all countries uh, it, and doing it in, in such a funny and badass action way. So I couldn't believe it. I was hundred percent on board and Jordan Peele made the right decision to take this off streaming and put it up on the big screen to see how people react to it. Mikey, what'd you think? 
Well, I have a confession. I have always had a low-key crush on Dev Patel. So this trailer gave what my grandmother used to call, gave me the vapors. (laughs) I was... I was... uh, I was into this trailer on... Many levels, um, but it does look great. Look, I think that I think a couple things. I think mm-hmm. that Dev Patel's story by written by with two other screenwriters, directed by like this is his singular vision. He wanted to do this, starring in the thing. I think that's super cool because yeah. I, I I'm a big fan of his. Um, I think to John's point, I'll put this under the. I, I love that Jordan Peele is producing this, mm-hmm. and what I love is that look Jordan Peele's movies very clearly from a very specific perspective. He kind of took horror and said, let me tell you horror through the black experience. But I love that even in these movies that he's producing, he's he's letting Dev Patel tell his authentic story and he's supporting that. Like he's just supporting authentic stories from authentic storytellers across the board and letting Dev Patel tell the story that would have been very much like a, okay, this is like Dev Patel doing John Wick. Mm-hmm. But it's Dev Patel doing John Wick through an Indian perspective, which yeah. kind of changes everything and gives it a very uh, specific flavor and a specific reason for being that I think is going to be really, really fun. In general, I am kind of oddly into this um, direction that action is taking. I think John Ooh. Wick really set the stage for this, but like there is this um, intensely violent action as beautiful choreography Mm. thing that's happening in cinema that I am a very big fan of. Like we had the eighties, like we had the Paul Verhoeven, like let's just be super, super violent, lots of action, big muscly guys saving the day. And now it's like, we're not big muscly guys. We're like martial arts experts. And every scene is like taking a lot again from international cinema, you know, Mm. from, uh, from, from Asian cinema, from Indian cinema and building out these like extended amazing action sequences. It just looks like a blast. Like everything about this trailer looked absolutely amazing. It was such a fun surprise. So even though Shannon pulled an audible literally five minutes before we recorded, <laughs> it was I was down with it because I was I was so thrilled yeah. just by everything about this trailer. Yeah. Yeah. Monkey Man comes out April 5th, two days after my birthday. Age this year, ju- just a couple of months. So that this, brings us to our this next feels like a Shannon McClung dude night birthday combo. This might not be a bad idea. I would drive up for this to see it with you guys and then hang out at wherever we're going to go because Big Wings. Is I was I was going to rent out a theater and uh, have a poor thing screening, but this might be the better option. <laughs> for, for my birthday, you were going to do it? And, like, <laughs> and like strap him to the seat so he can't get out. Happy birthday, bitch. <laughs> I don't, don't want to do this. You thought he controlled her. Yes, you wait. <laughs> <laughs> So our next trailer is the second of the Audible trailers, and we go from elevated Indian John Wick-style action to American screwball hijinks with Ricky Stanicki. This one stars Zac Efron, uh, Jermaine Fowler, Andrew Santino, John Cena, and uh, William H. Macy. And this one is basically three best friends use this invented friend of theirs, Ricky Stanicki, to get out of things. And then it comes out that Ricky Stanicki doesn't actually exist. So the three friends do what any three best friends would do when they're caught in a problem. They invent a lie. They hire an adult, <laughs> an adult-themed singer 
played by John Cena to portray this friend. This one had me on the ground. It's from Peter Farrelly, which I do think he's, it's a little hit and miss. Mm. Um, but this trailer had me on the ground. Mikey, what do you think? Would, would the three of us introduce, <laughs> invent a Ricky Stenicky? No, because we've got a John Rocco. We don't need to. Wait a minute. <laughs> um, this is this trailer. So it, like the trailer starts and I'm like, OK, so like hangover ish vibes. I get it. And then you see, OK, so they hire this guy to be their best friend and hijinks ensue. And I was like, all right. I mean, let's go either way. Maybe it'll be funny. Maybe it'll be done. But the way that John Cena's character oh grasps onto this role and then even when they're like, we're done, you need to leave. And he's like, no, no, this is the best my life has ever been. I'm not going anywhere. Really did get me. Like, I was like, okay, okay, this is like, like, if it was just a let's see if we can pull this off yeah. movie, it would have been like, okay. But the, then him being like, no, no, this is what I want. I'm Ricky Stenicki. Uh, it, it is probably going to be stupid as fuck, but I'm definitely going to watch it. Like, I, I was in. I was sold. Yeah, Lucas I mean, Tinoco, is, what do you think of Ricky Stanicki? Oh, uh, first of all, that's the nickname for your stomach is Ricky Stanicki. But yes, this is this is the situation I would say. <laughs> I loved this trailer. I went in like, oh, Zach, do you really want to follow up Iron Claw with this? But then you know, you don't know when this stuff's coming out. But this is this what was the one he did with Michael B. Jordan a few years ago. This feels like those guys grew up. To, and this is like a sequel, kind of like an unofficial sequel to that film when they were, I think they were trying to get laid or having trouble with the relationships or whatever. This feels like a sequel to that film because he's got a white friend and a, bl and a black friend there. And Andrew Santino, I've been, I've fallen into the wormhole of him and Bobby Lee on their Bad Friends podcast through TikTok. Like I've seen clips on TikTok. I go, I got to watch this. These guys break all the fucking rules. They shouldn't be breaking. And it's funny as hell. So to see him doing like a regular role like this, he's damn good in the trailer that I, that, that we saw. So I like this. And this is Cena. Now he is owning this area of comedy. A hundred percent vacation friends. That first one is incredible. I haven't seen the sequel. The first one was fucking funny as shit. There's so much funny stuff in peacemaker along with actual real human emotion that he's showing you. So this is his wheelhouse, this kind of comedy Cena can do with his eyes closed. And I'm telling you as a wrestling fan, I never knew Cena had this. He never showed this during the WWE. Everyone else was kind of doing comedy. He was the center stage. He was the lead. Now to see him being able to kind of let his freak flag fly in so many fun ways. I mean, he's in. He's cross-dressing through half of the trailer. There's weird shit going on with dogs on the stage. So the fact that he's willing to do get into this, I think was great. And, you know, you need someone like Zach to kind of anchor this. And I like that Zach's instincts still are to have a little fun as he had with neighbors and other things. So to me, I'm in. I'm 100%. You know, that's a really good point about Zach. I do want to just like throw that out. Ooh. Like Zach is having a good balance between here's the thing that I'm my very dramatic. I hope I get nominated yeah. for an Oscar. Let me go have some fun as opposed to maybe some other people who are like getting a little serious going after that Oscar and uh, spending six years learning how to compose a five minute scene. <laughs> So Ricky wow. Stanicki comes out on Amazon Prime March 7th. And this next trailer, this is the perfect marriage between uh, elevated action and 80s screwball hijinks because we have the trailer for the remake of 
Roadhouse. This yeah. One is starring Jake Gyllenhaal, um, uh, uh, Connor McGregor, for all of you USB, UFC fans out there, Billy Magnuson, who is, is quietly becoming one of the most compelling guys on screen. Super, super funny, but can, but can play villainous and can play a complete asshole and also directed by doug lyman so this one's really really interesting because when doug lyman he actually is skipping the premiere of this that's going to be at south by southwest um he he is skipping the premiere because he he when he agreed to direct the movie the movie was going to come out in the screens and then amazon acquired mgm and they basically said no we're going to put it out on amazon prime and there's actually an article i think it's in deadline um where doug lyman is saying this might be the best movie of my career this is some of jake gyllenhaal's best work that is big talk for a remake of a 1980s action flick um but that being said the trailer is a blast um jake gyllenhaal gets in incredible shape and it looks like it's just going to be a lot of fun so johnny i'll throw it over to you are you ready to make a stop at the florida keys for this roadhouse here's something i have to admit i've never seen roadhouse all the way through it's just one of those ones i've seen the clips and i've watched scenes and i may this may be the like other people are doing this on their youtube channels first time watching blah 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 this may be time to break that cherry on the on the outlaw nation channel do first time watching roadhouse because I've seen it. I've enjoyed it. The clips that I've seen in Swayze, it is super cheese ball. But this, I mean, I did not expect this at all. I had a blast watching this trailer. I thought this was going to be rehashing and trying to just kiss ass of the original. Very much its own thing. Uh, and a lot of people I saw said this has almost nothing that's reminiscent of the original movie other than it's in a roadhouse and the guy's name is Dalton. So that's good for me, to be honest with you. I like Jake doing his own thing. They updated it by making him a UFC guy. He clearly gets hurt in the ring, which is why he can't fight anymore. So how do you make money? We see this all the time with athletes. Okay, let's go be a bouncer. Now let's open. I know I'm not. No, that, no. Whole, that whole that whole go to the keys, go to the keys and get a job as a bouncer. If I heard it once, I heard it a thousand times. <laughs> We, I realize, we see this I was, all the time. I know. I realized I was trying to make it more serious than it actually was. But either way, <laughs> oh, man's got to live. Man's got to live. But Jessica Williams from Shrinking, uh, which I have not seen yet, so I've got to get on that. More than more than five people have told me this is a great series. She said working with Jake, she's like, he's a fucking intense dude. <laughs> so I like that you've got that energy there. And you've got Arturo Castro, who was very funny in that series he had on Comedy Central. And then you throw in Joaquim Almeida, who's going to be part of this. But Billy Magnuson, who is who understands the assignment every yeah. single time he's on screen in anything, whether it's on TV or on, uh, on the theater screen. So I love that. But Jake looks awesome. He looks badass. I like the story. And, it, it, and, and Conor McGregor, for fuck's sake. I'm such a massive <laughs> Conor McGregor fan. Massive. I had no idea he was going to be this big part of the movie. And he is super going out there. And I love it. So... Yeah, we call, it, we call it pulling a Momoa. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that. But Doug Lyman saying that he thought Jake could have been nominated for an awards off this. It's a little bit of a, you're uh, kind of out there there, Doug. But yeah, I'm totally in. Mikey, um, what'd you think? <laughs> you're from Florida, Mikey. What do you think? Yeah, well, uh, I will tell you what. We have a text chain with our buddy, Jonathan Gabay. Oh, and yes. And these guys, you know, I've, they're posting trailers. When trailers come out, what do you think of this? What do you think? So I was busy doing some stuff. And I come to the text chain and the Roadhouse trailer and they post it. This looks awesome. I'm fucking in. Holy shit, I can't wait. 
And I was like, let me watch this trailer and put everybody's feet back on the ground and tell them that this is fucking <laughs> stupid. I was like, I'm going to watch this trailer and be like, you guys are so dumb. Calm down. It's fucking a remake of Roadhouse. And then I watched the trailer and I was like, that son of a bitch did it because I'm fucking in. <laughs> it, it's just got it's got the right. I mean, the trailer, at least we'll see what the movie is. Yeah. But look, do I think that? Hall should get nominated for awards? Yeah, probably not. Let's just slow down. But I do get why Lyman is probably really proud of the work he did here. Like, yeah. if, if the trailer is any indication, it just looks like it has that right. It's the 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 special sauce is there of that that magic of '80s ridiculousness. Even though it's been updated, it's been modernized. It doesn't have a ton to do with the original. There's just that I'm a down on his luck guy. I end up in this situation. The situation allows me to have a whole bunch of action and blow up some boats and everyone's life is better at the end. Like it's just a eighties thing. Um, and it just worked. So I was like, I, I literally texted. I was like, I was, I was really excited to come to this text chain and tell you guys you're all idiots, but I'm fucking in. So bring it on. Like I'm, I'm in, I'm ready. Well, we will all get to be wait, in wait, and wait, be wait, ready. Wait. Shannon, oh, oh we're not thoughts, done. Your fucking oh. thoughts. What are your thoughts on the movie? You just gave us an intro. What are your thoughts on this one? I mean, look, when they said it was going straight to Amazon, the yeah, I I, I had I had an expectation yeah. of what it was going to be. It's like, oh, okay, I remember seeing the behind the scenes clip of them shooting at a at at a UFC match where they were doing the weigh in, where you can see just how absolutely shredded Jake Gyllenhaal is, yeah. and then to hear they're like, oh, it's go it's going straight to stream, and it's like, oh, okay, yeah, that that's not a shocker. I didn't even realize at the time that Doug Lyman directed, but then reading this article. But how incensed he is, which, you know, again, I, I, I totally understand that anger. Um, but then seeing the movie, I mean, or seeing the trailer, like you get it. Like it, this does look, it, is it, is it going to be at Oscars 2025? Probably not. Yeah. Um, but you do get the sense of like, oh, okay, this is, this looks very, very dynamic. This looks like it would probably be a lot of fun. And what, what, this is the type of movie that you want to see in a crowded theater. I mean, mm -hmm. just from the opening scene of the trailer where Jake Gyllenhaal is about to do, you know, one versus six, and he's asking the lead guy if he has insurance. Do you have dental? And the fact that he just starts slapping the shit out of all these dudes. I mean, it's kind of like, it's that Reacher thing where you you get that that catharsis from watching one guy beat up a bunch of assholes who deserve it. So I'm absolutely going to watch this when it comes out on Prime. I wish it were going to be in a theater. Yeah. Um, that being said, I still think it's going to be a blast. And we will all get to watch it when it comes out on Prime on, sorry, uh, March 21st. Yeah, yeah, very close. All right, well, let's go. That's the trailers for this particular episode. Let's take a quick break and we'll jump into uh, uh, our main topic here on Spider-Man 4 and Madam Web right after this. Well, Mr. Vogel, take it away for our main topic here. All right, let's let's start with Madam Web. I kind of feel bad that we keep talking about it, and I just really want the movie to come out so that we can all agree that it is what it is and move on with our lives. That being said, the latest rumor about Madam Web is a real, if you're a geek, if you're a Spider-Man fan, it's a doozy. The latest rumor is that Madam Web is reportedly going to change the iconic, with great power comes great responsibility quote to... When you take responsibility, you will gain powerful abilities. 
I'll, I, I want to get my uh, I want to get my buddy's reaction on this, but before mm. they react, I will just say, mm. how very dare, <laughs> how very dare, gentlemen. Oof. What do you think of this latest rumor of everybody's favorite new addition to Spon- Sony's Spider-Man extended un-Spider-Man-ish universe? AKA spunk or whatever we call it. Well, what do you, what do you think of this? I mean, okay. Uh, <laughs> this, this, this is no disrespect to uh, any of our audience who, who might uh, hold one of these positions, but this sounds like a bad executive note <laughs> where it's like, you know what we should do? <laughs> what if we flip that line? And at this point, it's kind of like, okay, I don't think it's going to have any bearing on uh, how many people see this. I mean, I guess the, the projected first weekend was released and it was not, it was not great. Um, Apparently it's, it's, it's lower than Morbius. It's, it would be the lowest entry in terms of what Sony pictures has done with their Spider-Man characters. Um, Yeah. It just (laughs) seems one, it's just, it's kind of clunky, but I guess that is kind of par for the course when you talk about, when my mom was researching spiders in the Amazon before she died or something. So it seems pretty consistent at this point. And look, we, we never want to shit on a movie because a lot of people, a lot of people work very, very hard on these things. And sometimes they just don't, they just don't come out. But when you have something so ostentatious as this, as this flipping of a classic line, and it just doesn't work. Like it's, it's clunky. It doesn't like, wait, what does that mean? Um, So yeah, it's just kind of silly. And uh, again, like, I don't want, I don't want to shit on shit on the movie. Um, I'll certainly be there. Maybe not opening weekend, but within the first week, um, I guess we'll see what happens. Maybe it's going to be great. Who knows? Yeah, we should give uh, credit. I think to... we're, I think ahead, we're pretty ahead. clear. I think we're pretty clear on the fact of whether or not it's going to be great. But yes, continue, John. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> yeah, uh, we should give credit to at Cryptic Four K Qual, who is the one who broke this and, and posted about it, and, and people have picked it up and kind of uh, uh, given it a little bit of validity. So if this is the line, I just don't understand. When you take responsibility, you will gain powerful ability. So. It's this idea that you – I understand why they're making the change. Like if I want to go super hippy-dippy, like this idea of with great power comes great responsibility, it's a bit like judging you. Like if you get this, you better do this. You better understand this. Whereas when you take responsibility, you will gain power. It's it's making you – it's encouraged you to make a more active choice, right? I understand the logic. Now, do I think you should fuck with a classic line like this? Hell no. I just don't agree with it. I understand the reasoning because it allows for more freedom of will and freedom of choice, but I think it's ridiculous. And when you're already pushing maybe one of the biggest boulders you've ever seen up a hill to get anybody to watch your movie, to add even more of this stuff to uh, set it up for ridicule and consternation from the geeks and the nerds that you want to come see this movie, I think it's just such a bad idea uh, on so many levels. And I don't know, man. I don't understand the logic. To be, I mean, I again, I get, I get why. I just don't understand the logic. Yeah. I mean, look, if it's true, two things, just two right. things on it, and then we're talking about Spider-Man Four. Okay. But I, uh, I, I do understand. Like, look, with great power comes great responsibility. Is what Uncle Ben says to Peter Parker, yes. or in yeah. the Marvel Cinematic Universe, what Aunt May says to Peter Parker. It yeah. is a very this is a Peter Parker thing, as we are all well aware, and we've talked about. There's no Peter Parker in oh, this Sony point. universe. Yeah, true. So. You can't actually go, all right, well, let's let's have 
let's have everybody say great power and great responsibility to everybody. And just because it's a Spider-Man movie, since there's no Peter Parker, there's no real reason to say it. Right. But taking it then and being like, well, we still want to get in there and 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 maybe this is what somebody says to yeah. Adam Scott, who plays Uncle Ben, which makes him go, oh, I'm going to flip this and tell my nephew one. Like, I don't know what they're planning with it. Yeah. But kind of to John's point, not only is it just a weird thing to do and like, why are you doing it? I, I, if there was a really great reason and they had a way that they were going to do it, like there's probably ways it could make sense. My, my biggest issue with it is it actually is the exact opposite of the lesson that Spider-Man learns. Mm, okay. Like by inversing it, by inverting it, you actually invert the lesson. Like the Spider-Man lesson is when you have the ability to do something, yeah. you have a responsibility to act. And the reason that that phrase has lodged in every geek's head ever since Uncle Ben said it is because it's not just talking about superpowers. Mm. If you have the if you have the power, whether that is financial power, whether that is the right. emotional power, whether that is any kind of power that you have in any situation, if you are the person in control, it gives you a responsibility to do the right thing. It's what drives Spider-Man. It's what drives tons of superheroes saying, hey, do the right thing, you're gonna get some power. <laughs> that basically is like, hey, that's a do this and then we'll give you something. Yeah. It's a, oh, you're gonna yeah. get something for something. And it's the opposite lesson. So I just think in in kind of the bigger picture fashion, getting out of, oh, that's not exactly what was said or you have to say it this way. It's just from a sort of thematic standpoint of superhero psychology, yeah. I think it's the wrong message. Um, and speaking of doing the wrong thing, over on the Spider-Man <laughs> forefront, the latest rumors have come out that Sony and Marvel are a little bit at odds on what to do with Spider-Man 4. Yeah. Um, as everyone has already covered, I believe we've talked about it as well, it seems that Marvel and Kevin Feige uh, want Spider-Man 4 to be a bit more grounded after the multiversal adventures of Spider-Man No Way Home. The rumors are that Kingpin is potentially going to be one of the big bads in the movie. As we know from the ending of Spider-Man No Way Home, nobody knows who Peter Parker is. He no longer has the Avengers at his back. He no longer has his Tony Stark suits. He's sewn his own suit. He's living in a tiny apartment. Like this is much more the Peter Parker that we know from the beginning of the comics, a guy who's doing it all on his own. He is literally just your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. And that really seems to be the direction they're going. But Sony, probably because they're having some trouble in their own Spider-Man universe mm. and looking at how much money uh, Spider-Man No Way Home made really want Spider-Man 4 to be another big multiversal adventure and really want Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire to come back and just make the Spider-Man franchise look at all the Spider-Men doing all the things. What do you think, guys? I think Sony is... and If this is really where they want to go, I think they're idiots for wanting to do this because... You remove the exclusivity and the specialness of Spider-Man No Way Home if these guys just keep showing up in uh, Spider-Man 4, Spider-Man 5, Spider-Man 6, if they keep showing up here. Because, again, what is the big complaint people have had? Can't Spider can't Tom Holland just lead his own movie? That has been the kind of sub-complaint that people have had about these three Spider-Man films. It's Michael Keaton or it's Jake Gyllenhaal. You know, you, you, why can't we have him do his own thing? And so if you're going to, and then they brought in Toby and Andrew. So great. And it worked. I loved Spider-Man No Way Home. One of the, I just watch it all the time. I love it so much. 
Now you go into this one, you go, okay, let's reset everything. Nobody remembers who he is. Why are you going to go big with this? You've got to rebuild it back up again so that you have the great finale. People forget this. The reason things work is because you build to them. You build to the finale. You build to the crescendo. Whether it's a monologue or a series or a trilogy, you got to build to the big bang. Not big bang at every installment because then it just becomes a mixture of big bangs and you have Fast and Furious and that you don't want that with Spider-Man. So to me, I think that's a massive mistake for Sony to want to do this. And I agree with you, Michael. Um, as you pointed out, it's a, it feels like a desperation move so that they can match kind of the rhythm and the pattern that they've established on the Sony verse, uh, Sony Spider-Verse side of things. And it's not the way to go with this. It's not the way to go with this. Tom is a fantastic actor. Let's slow it down. Let's bring it ground level. Sure. Give me Kingpin. Give me a daredevil appearance. I'm cool with that. But you start shoving in multiple verse universes, multiple Spider-Man and everything. You're just going to lose it, man. So I think it's a dumb move, and I hope Tom is one of those people saying, "No, fuck no, we're not doing this." You know? Yeah, it's you look at both studios' points of view, and fr- 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 you can kind of understand where they're both coming from. Right. I mean, I think the majority of the audience is probably with Marvel. That, like, right. no, like you know, where the character is right now, this is what you need. This is what you need to do with him. Not only is it sort of the natural next step but also it does address some of the criticisms that john already referenced the fact that uh homecoming was co-starring iron man far from home was co-starring um sam or uh, nick fury Fury. uh uh, no way home was co-starring two other spider-man and dr strange let peter parker give people the the spider-man movie that they have wanted for a very very long time this this kid who is just barely making it, barely making it by, not just as a superhero, but as his alter ego as well. He's back to that point where he can't tell anyone who he is. I mean, Spider-Man Homecoming, what, two people already knew who Spider-Man was? Right, like, right. we've never had with Tom Holland the theatrical experience of him protecting that secret identity the way that, you know, Tobey Maguire did, let's say, in the first Spider-Man movie. Um, from Sony's point of view, you you do kind of get it. It's like, look, not only was No Way Home our most successful movie ever, Far From Home was our second most successful mm. movie ever. And what have those movies done? They have gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. So from their point of view, it's like, well, no, we have to go bigger. The only way we're going to keep making money is, is if we go bigger. And look at the Spider-Verse movies. Look at all those Spider-Men. Throw them all in there. That's going to make the most money. Um, so um, again, again, I think that's kind of a flawed, I think it's a flawed point of view, but that mm. is their point of view. Um, I, I think what they're neglecting to think is what is the thing that has made this Spider-Man movie, these these Spider-Man movies so compelling? Not just the fact that they are part of the MCU, but because of Tom Holland. Yeah. The journey yeah. that that Peter Parker has had to go on. And what an interesting turn in his journey to put him in a position we've never seen him in. And if the rumors are true that they want to include Kingpin, they want to include Daredevil, Matt Murdock knew who Peter Parker was before. In this world, he right. does. But Matt Murdock, you know, you can just see the, again, the fertile ground for story, the conversation that Peter Parker can have with Matt Murdock and that Spider-Man can have with Daredevil. I mean, I think that sounds, I think that sounds great. Yeah. I think John, I mean, I think John said it, said it right when he said Fast and the Furious. There, there Mm. is a thinking in Hollywood. If you don't, if you don't really I don't want to say don't love these characters. If you're not 
well entrenched with these characters. If you're not really into storytelling for storytelling's sake and the ins and outs of everything, it's like, well, they like this. The audience really liked this. Let's give them more. Hmm. Let's give them more. But it's like you can only give somebody so much chocolate cake before they're like, I can't eat any more chocolate cake. Like, you got to have a fucking salad once in a while. Like, there's a balance to everything. And what you guys are saying is 100% right. Like, No Way Home got as big as you could get to the point that we were all like, I don't know if this is going to work. And they fucking pulled it off. Like, they pulled it off as big as well as anybody could do it. Like, you, right. I, you know, there, we all have our little, hey, if Peter Parker had just told Doctor Strange to wish for this, it would have been a lot easier. But like, all in all, that movie is very successful, very satisfying for a reason. And when that movie ended, we're, we were all excited about the expectation and Sony doesn't care about that. And look, you're right. Sony is looking at those Spider-Verse movies and going, the more Spider-Men we put in these, the more the fans love them. The fans were super happy seeing these three guys together. Like, we should just keep doing this. And they're also probably wanting to get Toby and and Andrew back in there because of the hope that they can eventually get one of them, if not Tom Holland, to be in their other Spider-Man movies. But all of those choices are business strategy choices, not storytelling choices. And I think if Sony was more interested in making storytelling choices... Their their little Spider-Man-less Spider-Man universe would be better than it is right now. And so, like, I wouldn't trust them to make any decisions. And even though I will give Sony as an entity credit for Sony for the Spider-Verse movies, Sony Sony animation is very different from Sony live action, and they're letting Lord and Miller do what they want to do. Mm. And that's really the the thing that Sony's doing on the Spider-Verse front that is the smartest thing is just getting out of Lord and Miller's way and letting them do it. Like for all of the backstage Lord and Miller are killing animators and like all of that stuff aside, which is an entirely different conversation. Overall, Lord and Miller creatively know what they're doing and Sony's letting them do it. So on the Marvel front, let Marvel do what they're doing on Spider-Man everywhere else. Marvel needs some help on Spider-Man. They seem to know what they're doing. (laughs) Yeah. I think you're making, that's an excellent point. If there was a Lord and Miller, who we knew was taking over Spider-Man, like a Lord and, Lord and Miller type. And look, Lord and Miller could do that, could actually do that because they've done live action stuff. If they were going to take over Spider-Man and do live action, I think we'd all be a little more like, okay, let's see what we got for Spider-Man. If you're going to go big with Spider-Man 4, let's see how you can top it because they have found a way to do that. So, okay, let's I give it more chance. But the fact that we don't even know who's going to be directing Spider-Man 4 and where they're going to go with this and the fact they're already arguing tone, which means... They want to bring in a director who is going to do that tone, whether it be big or small. That's going to be uh, an interesting thing to monitor and watch. Uh, who are they going to bring in? Because I think that's going to give us an idea of where they're going to go, which direction they want to go in um, at the end of the day. But we, I think we'd be much more comfortable going bigger if we knew it was a director we trusted to go bigger with something like this, even if we might want it to go smaller. So, and I think that's the mistake they're making here. Is they're arguing tone before they even select a director. And, you know, I mean, just really quick, like just from a basic art standpoint, mm-hmm. like in pick any art artistic medium, like yeah. in painting, negative space is as important as mm. positive space in music. 
the silence and the space between the notes is as important as the notes themselves. Like yeah. there is an ebb and a flow. You have to have both. And that works in a very micro point, like with painting or with like the space between music notes. But that's also when you look at bigger storytelling, that is how it works. I mean, you can't, every movie's not going to be Endgame. And if you try and yeah. make every movie Endgame, you end up with the Fast and the Furious or the Transformers franchise. And that and that does well for a minute, and then it falls flat. So I just think, oh, better again... Help, help me now. Yes, go ahead. Yes, yes go ahead. Well, yes. you know, I mean, I was just talking to somebody. I was just talking to somebody who uh, works at Mattel recently. Oh. And, I was, and, and I was saying, you know, do you think Mattel learned the right lessons from Barbie? And this person was like, I don't think they did. And it's just <laughs> the thing that happens over and over is when something is successful, there is a certain level of people that go, ah, this was successful. Here's why. Let's do it. And they're oftentimes just off the mark. And I think this is definitely one of those examples here. Do you think there is a a uh, hesitance from Sony's side looking at the some of the inconsistencies with the mcu and phase four and phase five and like we don't want you to kill the goose that laid the golden egg um we feel like maybe maybe we should kind of dictate it more from here on in that's a it's a really good point because mm -hmm. i think that sony five years ago probably wouldn't be arguing back as much you know, six years ago, seven years ago, however many, like there was a point where Marvel said, here's what we're doing. You kind of were like, all right, I don't, I don't fucking know, but they seem to know what they're talking about. <laughs> and right now I think there is a little bit like, uh, you guys aren't as, uh, as, as perfect as you think you are. And it's showing in the box office. And we're really concerned that if you go in this direction with Spider-Man, it's going to sink our biggest franchise and we have to protect it. And I do think there probably is that conversation happening uh behind the scenes right now mm. and again there's there's probably a level of validity there except at the end of the day and you know as geeks this happens all the time there's certain things we can all argue about yeah uh we talk about it all the time Je <laughs> the last jedi Zack snyder movies there's certain things where geeks across the board are like we are split on this but yeah. then there's certain things where you're like no guys come on and, and i i don't know anyone and all of you listening can tell me in the comments that I'm wrong and that I'm a crazy guy, but I don't know anyone who's like, wow, No Way Home was great. Let's have Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield in every Spider-Man movie moving yeah. forward. I think most people are like, yeah, look, I love Spider-Verse. I love seeing all the Spider-Men there. I think No Way Home is great. You want to tell me that you're going to do a Peter Parker, Miles Morales movie. Now we're talking, but I like this Peter Parker on his own trying to figure things out. Like, I think that's exciting. That's the most interesting thing. Show me that. Yeah, because we brought in our experiences with Toby and Andrew from those previous films. And in a way, No Way Home kind of like gives you closure on those series, both of those series and the first three films of the Tom Holland journey as Spider Peter Parker. So we need to see what's next for Andrew and what's next for Toby and what's next for Tom before you bring them all back together in a movie. I think that's the smart well, route. Be patient. Wait 10 more years. And then if they want to bring them together, you can. I mean, I think Toby's here's if you're gonna get really because this, and I think this is Marvel 
also being like, no, guys, fuck you. Because we've all heard the rumors that, oh, maybe Andrew Garfield will be in the Sony Spider-Man right. movies. Right. and that. We've all heard those rumors. But and – I, and I would argue that – I do think you're right. I think No Way Home does kind of give you closure on Toby's story. You, you, yeah. he, he and Octavius have their moment. You know him and MJ are working things out. He seems like he's pretty yeah. secure in his life. Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man – you you do get that moment where he saves um right. yeah MJ MJ but he clearly his life is a little bit of a mess he's a Spider-Man who's still got a lot to work through and there's and I and I think there probably are some really compelling stories of that version of Andrew Garfield Spider-Man moving forward but if I'm Marvel yeah and I'm it's the opposite of what Shannon said I'm Marvel and I'm like guys we're losing the fans <laughs> we got to get our shit together the Kang thing is a mess. What are we doing with phases? Like, how are we getting to Secret Wars? Like, we got all this stuff to do. The last thing they want is to have Marvel's Spider-Man movie coming, starring Tom Holland coming out in fall of 2026. Yeah. And then the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movie coming out in spring. Like, they don't want to have a competing Spider-Man movie because it doesn't serve them either way. If yeah. the movie's garbage audiences are like we have too much spider-man we don't want to see any of it and if the movies happen to be great then now they have a competitor yeah like, there's two spider-man competing like it doesn't work for marvel either way so it doesn't it makes sense that marvel's like guys we're not giving you a fucking spider-man so then sony's like fine put them in your movie and they're like we're not doing that either so you can get on both sides where the arguments are coming from so he's like, "Come on, man, help a brother out." <laughs> y'all got any oh. of those? Uh, y'all got any of those? Um, Spider Man. All right. Well, there you go, Shannon. Do you have any final words on this, or are you good? No, no, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, that's been our episode of the Geek Buddies. Thank you all so much for joining us. Uh, what do we have to tell them, Shannon? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung on Instagram at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow uh, Mr. Vogel and tell him that you want Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield and everything, you can follow him at MK Tune. If you would like to follow Mr. Roca and just tell him he's a swell guy, it's at the Roca says. There you go. Thank you. Mikey? Yep. Yeah, thank you very much, Mr. Roca. Uh, you can do a couple things for us. First and foremost, either let Shannon know that he made the right move by walking out of Poor Things or tell him that he's a goddamn idiot and he should watch the rest of the movie. I'm pretty sure that that's going to be evenly split in the comments, and I'm really curious to see how it goes. Additionally, go ahead and smash that like button. Subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page. Check out all the amazing content he's got there. Leave your non-Poor Things comments below as well. Let us know what you thought of everything we talked about today if you're listening to the podcast go ahead and leave us some stars and comments so we go up in the rankings and more people can find us and as always the best thing you can do is retweet this video post it on your socials, send it to your friends and tell them to hang out with your buddies the geek buddies and as michael mentions the podcast i want to be, uh, do a really strong push for you all to subscribe to the podcast we've just gotten two great new sponsors in better help and HelloFresh, and it's exciting to have them come aboard the uh, the uh, uh, Geek Buddies train. So the way we can keep them aboard is for you all to subscribe to the podcast, and if you can try out their stuff and say that you're into their stuff, we would appreciate it. So just giving you a little bit of a nudge here to go and subscribe to the podcast. 
It is available wherever you download podcasts. You can have it with you, and you can listen to us any time of the day. You don't have to look at our pretty faces. All right, thank you all so much. We love you madly. Take care of yourselves. Be well, and we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode here of The Geek Buddies. <gasps> hey! Every five minutes, a transplant candidate dies while waiting for a compatible heart, liver, or kidney. Imagine a technology that could provide those life-saving transplant organs for a high price and imagine what a company would do to monopolize that technology. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists unlocks this holy grail of medicine by reverse engineering the genomes of all mammals, creating an animal with organs perfectly suitable for human transplantation. They envisioned a docile herd animal, but one team member had another, darker vision. This ancestor is anything but docile. The team's work spawns something big, something evil, something very, very hungry. Ancestor is a complete serialized fiction podcast by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler with all episodes available. Binge the entire story now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.